Hello, welcome to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Here you will find cutting-edge information provided by the best experts in the world so you can learn how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Bruno de Gama is the Brazilian Health Nut in a mission to solve the problems you have when trying to lose weight forever. He is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer, and a holistic lifestyle coach by the Czech Institute. Don't forget to say hello and sign up to our free newsletter at www.brazilianhealthnet.com. Let's go. All right. Thank you so much for being here with me, Alex, today. I super appreciate your time. Can you share a little bit about your story and how did you become Miss Natural Fitness Olympia? <laughs> yes, of course. It's it's a pretty long story, so I'll I'll stick with just the the key points that are more relevant to kind of how I got to, like you said, being Miss Natural Fitness Olympia and doing the kind of coaching that I do now. So in a nutshell, I've been active my entire life, always been a mover uh, to the point where I, when I was young, my, my parents put me in gymnastics class because I was literally climbing on everything in the house. Um, so they wanted to give me an activity to do. And I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with uh, just the movement, kind of just the the freedom that comes with with being able to move your body and, and train it to do kind of whatever you want. And that sort of activity and that outlet became my go-to. Like all through my teenage years, I dabbled in sports in high school. And it was in my, gosh, early 20s when I stumbled across the bikini and fitness competition world. I was actually joining a friend for a judo class at a very small mom-and-pop gym in South San Francisco. And the owner of the gym happened to be a bodybuilding coach. And he said, hey, you should you ever thought about doing one of these competitions? And I had no idea what that yeah. world was even about or that it really existed beyond my my idea of bodybuilding, which was like, you know, Arnold back in the day. So yeah. I had no idea what he was talking about. But I was intrigued. And at the time, I was personal training. Um, I was going to college and I was just working at a local gym, helping clients. And I really personally wanted a fitness goal. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I've always moved a lot. I loved weight training, but didn't have a specific direction that I was going in. I never had a specific goal that I was shooting for. I just kind of dabbled around in the gym. So after meeting with this guy for, to learn about fitness competitions, I was just very, very intrigued. And I thought, what the hell, let's just give it a try. And six months later, I did my first bikini competition Mm-hmm. And this was back in 2006. So were you doing already of, oh, the backflips and all the I don't know the name for those things like you're going I w- up and down yes, and upside down uh-huh. at <laughs> yeah, the gymnastics. <laughs> I was actually. I saw, it, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, I saw some of your your videos and it's pretty cool. Like the things that you can do, it's awesome. <laughs> it's really fun. It, at, at this point, I just practice to keep it up. I'm not really trying mm-hmm. for like any 
you know, intense, challenging skills. I just want to see what else I can do with my body and, and honestly be able to just do it as long as I can. So, um, yes, I did already have the gymnastics background and I had a lot of the skills already there when I first started competing. And so luckily that just worked out perfectly. I kind of got to combine two loves, you know, resistance training and learning how to manipulate your your body with the food that you eat. And then I had the gymnastics too. So I competed in both bikini and fitness uh, competitions for, gosh, about seven years, which is actually absurd now that I think about it. <laughs> Just the amount of shows I did. Um, but it was a great learning opportunity. I met so many wonderful people and really got a like an inside look at the fitness industry. Yeah. It, because it's a, a it's a very it. tough it's a very tough preparation, right? You have to be really specific with everything that you're doing during the preparation for the competition and to, doing for seven years. Yeah, that's it's a long time. It was a big commitment. And I I did it when I was young, you know, in my early twenties. And, you know, this kind of how I got started in that and the way that I prepped back then, like in my early years, is so much different to how I prepped in the last few years that I competed and how I now coach other women to compete. Because mm. back then, you know, this was pre-carb night, pre-carb backloading. I was literally just learning as I went. And I did make the rookie mistake of jumping on with a coach and going into it blindly. And I honestly just was given a meal plan and did it to a T. You know, I'm the type of person who if mm. you, you tell me what to do and you're my coach, I trust you and I will literally do anything and anything you tell me to do. Um, but I did it really blindly and I didn't pay attention to my body. I didn't learn about my body at all. And at the end of each show, I really felt lost. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. had, I had a hard time you know, I, I did everything that they said and I, and I did get really good results, but I was hungry. I was tired. Yeah. I worked myself to the ground. I mean, it was the amount of time I was spending in the gym in those early years. It was like a part-time job. I mean, mm -hmm. trying to have a, a social life in your early twenties and, and doing that and going to school. Right. was. Really I thought you were still in your early twenties, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> we'll just anyway, say that I am. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you look very young. So on your bio, you actually share a little bit about this, that there is not just one way to get fit, and you share a little bit about your story with cheat days. Can you talk a little bit about those things that you learned through this journey? Yes, well, early on, pre-carb pre night and pre-carb backloading, cheats were, I mean, just what they are. They were cheats. They weren't even though they were occasionally prescribed to me on that original plan that I was following, which was very, very low fat, um, carb heavy, cheat days were maybe once in a blue moon. And generally, because I was competing so often, they were always right after the show. So it was like, okay, I, I've dedicated you know three, four months to getting to the competition ready. And then after the show, go ahead and have a cheat meal. But then after that, you got to get right back on. And I mean, that included things. It was, it was very restrictive. Um, even things like dairy. It was like after the show, it was like, oh, okay, I can have a little bit of cheese here, a little bit of yogurt. But there was still like this guilt associated with it because. Were you counting calories as well? I was, yes. Was very, which was very tedious. Yeah. Um, and I was hungry. Boring. And, and 
it was very boring. The the palate <laughs> was very limiting. But, you know, I like to cook too. So I did try my best to make what I was allowed to eat as delicious as possible. <laughs> so I got very creative in the kitchen. <laughs> I was like, how many different ways can I make chicken? Because mm-hmm. I, literally that's all I ate was chicken and broccoli and egg whites, mm-hmm. which are quite so, bland and boring. Yeah. So what happens when people go on a restricted calorie like this um, in terms of biological terms? Can you give a little scientific explanation for people who are a little more geeky on the side? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, one thing that I experienced early on is in my first year of competing, I honestly just did everything myself and I, and I was winging it most of the time and literally just ate based on how I was feeling and did very, very little cardio. And I never had a rebound after the show. Once I signed up with uh, a coach and was given a very, very specific regimen that was, you know, I was counting all my macros and calories. By the time the show came, I was so depleted and hungry and tired, like aches all over my body. Uh, Not a good feeling. When I would have that cheat after the show, the next morning I would be physically sore to the touch all over like it almost felt like I was bruised or I had done an incredible workout all over my body um, and very light to the touch and I imagine it's because I ingested a significant amount of carbohydrates I had gone into that cheat meal a little dehydrated as well so now at that point I'm holding a pretty good amount of water and it just pushed against the skin and caused a lot of inflammation that I could feel all over. So you want to, you know, you go into it wanting to enjoy this meal and you're obviously excited about it because it's been months on end since you've had it. But the way that I always felt afterwards, um, just meet that first day afterwards was not pleasant at all. But not surprisingly all, enough, right? no, not at all. I would get headaches, um, very, very sluggish, like extremely fatigued, a lot of fogginess in the brain, which some people can experience on their first few carb nights, which we can probably get into in a little bit. But following that, it was, I I generally looked better actually, which isn't a surprise now. You know, the next day, even though I was feeling pretty achy and and just not not well, my body hurt a little bit, but I usually looked really good. The next morning, I always looked really good. But then after that, like I mentioned earlier, I never knew what to do with my food. It's like, do I, do I go back to the restricted way that I was eating? Or do I have a little bit more liberty with my food and just see what happens? And depending on when I had my next show, if, if my show was close by, then it was like, get right back on. How often were you competing did, like the shows? It could have ranged from six weeks to three or four months. Okay. Generally, like the season for me was often started in May. And there would be one, I would do a May show, a June show, a big show in, in August, which was like Miss Fitness USA's, which was for, at the time was like the big show of the year. And then there was usually one more in November, which was Fitness America. So I did get a nice break from the big show in August to the big show in November. But for three years in a row before I discovered Carb Night, that stretch in between the August and November show was really, really challenging. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah, I had a little imagine. bit more time, I, I wanted to take a little bit of a break or just allow more food variety in my meal planning. 
but it was so hard to get back into shape after that. It wasn't like, oh, I can maintain what I've built up until that point. I would put on weight. And luckily, in, in comparison to some of the other competitors that I got to know, I didn't put on much weight. You know, mm-hmm. a couple pounds here or there. Luckily, I've always kind of been within a, a, a short range of weight. But I was definitely softer. I mean, cool. vis- visual abs were, were gone. And each time cool. I did that, it got harder and harder. Uh, okay, cool. So let's talk now about carbonite. You already mentioned a couple of times. And for people who don't know what carbonite is, can you give a little bit of a background? And I, I think we also should, should mention the work of John Kiefer. Yes, absolutely. Uh, John Kiefer is the creator of both carb night and carb backloading. And I mean, looking back, that was, he was like my saving grace at the time. <laughs> it, How it long just, ago it was worked that? out. This was back in 2010. So it's okay, been so a long years. time. It's been a long time. Yes. And I met him. Uh, he's, he's local as well. And at the time I was holding posing workshops for local competitors And he had just started coaching some bikini competitors. And so through just the fitness world, we met and I started doing stage coaching for a few of his clients. And that's how I met him. And at that time, I was really, really struggling with my diet and competing. And I, I was losing, losing faith in my coach at the time. I had no control. I didn't know what to do. And his girls looked great. And they all talked mm-hmm. about how much food they could eat. I was like, okay, this, this sounds good. <laughs> so we met and uh, let's see, we met in October of 2010. And after talking with him and me explaining what my goals were and what was important to me, I basically said, I want to eat a little bit more variety of food. I want to know what to eat at any given time. And I want to look and feel good all the time. And he said, oh, I can make that happen. I know I have exactly what you need. He explained everything, you know, it, it very generally, which is a, it's a cyclical ketogenic diet. So for anywhere from five to seven days, you're ultra low carb. So under 30 grams of usable carbs every day. Okay. And, and that's depending starch on, and grains and anything? Or how, how are you, in terms of these 30 grams, does it matter where it's coming from? Not really. Um, as long as it's usable carbs. So when you're looking at a nutrition label, you look at the total carb count, and then usually the fiber count is right below that. You subtract the fiber count from the total carbohydrates, and that's the number that's really important. So say with almonds, there's about seven grams of carbs for an ounce of almonds. It usually has three grams of fiber, so then you're actually left with only four grams of usable carbs. So when you're counting your carbs, that's the number that's very important because the goal on these low-carb days is to control blood sugar levels. Mm-hmm. We just want to keep right. them nice and balanced for as many days as we can up till seven days. And then on so the how seventh does a, day... T- yeah. Sorry. So how does a typical okay. day look like in terms of when it's not carb night because we're going to be talking about the, the carb night day, right, which is completely <laughs> different. <laughs> yes. So can, can you just give it like a little example of how your day would look like? Absolutely. I will. I'll just run through uh, yesterday just because it's fresh in my mind. And, and most of my mm-hmm. days look very, very similar. Um, I'm just a creature of habit, so it works out that way. But I usually start my morning with a cup of coffee with about one to two tablespoons of heavy whipping cream, which I look forward to every morning. It's like my 
my favorite thing. I wake up just to have my coffee. <laughs> and luckily <laughs> more coffee shops like Starbucks and Pete's Coffee, they're uh, starting to serve heavy cream, which is fantastic. So it makes it easy yeah. to be able to go out and get grab a cup of coffee too. And anywhere from, you know, one to three hours after I have my coffee, depending on the day, I'll have either a early lunch or a late breakfast. And that's usually a few pieces of bacon, a um, couple eggs, either fried in coconut oil, or I might do a scramble with the bacon and some sausages. I might throw in some spinach and bell peppers, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, or I might just eat leftover meat from the night before. And I might just throw a salad in there. Or I often make things for dinner that make delicious leftovers. Like they almost get better as they sit a little longer. Yeah, that's and so I love true. just a, it does. It does. <laughs> I know. Really I just, so I just told this. I, sorry. I just told this to my mom because I had some leftover uh, food, uh, I think two days ago. And I was like, oh my God, this is like better than yesterday. It was like, great. Mm -hmm. Cool. So yeah, keep all the going, flavors sorry. just meld together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm usually a middle of the day lifter. So if I go to the gym, it's usually going to be between like one and three. So I'm usually after breakfast or, or an early lunch, I'm usually good until I go to the gym and I might have a cup of coffee, just black coffee before if I feel like I need a little something. Otherwise, I do my training uh, about an hour after I train. I have my post-workout shake, which is usually for me just to weigh isolate and I'll add some carb shock and, and uh, creatine. And then about an hour after that or depending on when I'm hungry, I'll either have a snack, which could be... Like I'm on a salami kick right now, so I've been eating a lot of salami, but it's yeah. just easy. You know, I, I like to have things that are just convenient. I don't have to make them. I can just, you know, open the fridge, pull a piece, few pieces out and be good for a while. Um, otherwise, I might snack on some almonds or something like that. I also like to cook up a lot of drumsticks. I'll cook up like a bunch of them and then just have those as easy grabs because uh, I don't need a fork either. So I could just pick it up and munch on it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And dinner is usually good. where I have a little bit more fun. So dinner is where I get, I get a little bit more creative. And I mean, I could do anything from meatballs to I do Italian sausages a lot. Um, lots of chicken, ground beef, make taco salad. I do taco meat a lot because it's easy and convenient. And I can make a lot of things with the taco meat. It's one of my mm -hmm. favorite go-tos. Hey guys, what's up? Bruna Gama here, Brazilian Health Nut. And let's take a little break from the show because I would like to offer you something. If you go to my website, www.brazilianhealthnut.com and click on the page Burn Fat Forever, you can go ahead and claim your free consultation with me right now, okay? Or you can just send me an email at brazilianhealthnut at gmail.com. So you can start to lose weight and feel healthier right now, okay? So go ahead and claim your free consultation with me and remember that spots are limited, okay? Now let's get back to the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so people might be thinking right now, oh, it's a lot of meat. Aren't you eating any vegetables in terms of like greens? Because, you know, a lot of people are talking, oh, we have to have a lot of greens, greens, greens. So what's mm -hmm. your take on that? Are you having enough? Yes. I, I try to shoot for 20 to 25 grams of fiber a day. And that could be coming from a variety of veggies. And depending on how I'm feeling, if I'm particularly hungry, 
I might choose a veggie that has a little more volume, like lettuce. Lettuce, I could have a couple cups of it and still be within the carb count. Um, if I want something more like tomatoes or something that tends to be a little bit more carby, I'll just keep those portions small. But one of my favorite salads is sliced tomatoes, cucumbers, and red onions. And I'll just do a little apple cider vinegar. Delicious. I also do a lot of collard greens and mustard greens. They're a little bit heartier of a, of a you know, greens, leafy greens, mm-hmm. um, but, but full of uh, vitamins and minerals. So awesome. I try to choose not only volume of food, but nutrient-dense items. Yeah. Gotcha. Sounds very tasty too. Awesome. So let's talk now about the carb night day. Okay. So you've been doing this for five to seven days. You're very low carb and then you, the seventh day comes. So carb night. So yes. how does this <laughs> day look like? Tell us a little bit about this. The night, of course. And I don't know. Night, like, maybe course, yes. Well, generally the morning starts off just like any other morning. I'll still have my heavy cream and coffee. I'll have a normal lunch of just protein, fat, and a little bit of veggies. And depending on what time I'm planning on going to bed, I I shoot for a six to seven hour window, feeding window of time for my carb nights. And usually it's on the weekends, so I tend to go to bed later. So I might not start till five, five o'clock, somewhere around there. And if I can coordinate it with my workouts, I will work out in the afternoon on those days. It doesn't always work out that way. And if it doesn't work out, I don't really worry about it. But if I do work out, then I'll usually start carb night with my post-workout shake. And I'll put in some frozen bananas, which is one of my favorite things, or I'll snack on banana chips. So usually that first spike, which is what we're going for on carb night, we're trying to achieve three you know, roughly three solid insulin spikes throughout this feeding window. And so I always like to choose things that I'm either craving during the week or that just sound good to me. You know, I won't just eat a burger to eat a burger. Um, I want it to be satisfying and satiating and and all of that and have it be fun too. So I love things like chips and salsa to kickstart carb night, something snacky, um, it's great if you're with friends too. You can be social and go out to eat and not have to, you know, have a little yeah. bit more freedom at that point, which is nice. And mm-hmm. dinner can just be, I mean, it could be a burger and fries. Um, I do love sweet potato fries. Well, sweet potatoes in any form, any way are delicious. So that's like a fun go-to. I did I did a, a French dip. Do you know what a French dip is? I did mm. that last week. It's a no, roast, sliced roast I mean, I don't know what it is. It's... It's so good. It's sliced roast beef on like a toasted baguette, like a French roll. And sometimes mm-hmm. there's like onions, like grilled onions, but it comes in this au jus sauce. That's the sauce from the roast. And you dip it in. It's so good. It's like salty yeah. and crunchy and you kind of get all the, the, the yummy flavors and textures. So that's what yeah, I have keeping- last week. You're keeping pretty clean, though, like you're eating healthy foods, even though, I mean, it's carbohydrates, and I don't want to get into if carbohydrates are unhealthy or not, but I remember when I was reading the book, and John was like, oh, you can actually go crazy, I mean, any, like, ice cream, you have to go crazy, you have to have a lot of carbohydrates and cakes (laughs) and cookies and all those things, right, but you're keeping really clean. I don't know, because the book was six, seven years ago, right, so I don't know how Mm -hmm. is he doing in terms of recommendation for this part of the carbonite, but you probably can well, talk a little bit more about this. 
Yes, yes. Well, I definitely do still eat the junky stuff, but I tend to save those for dessert. So uh, okay. just because I've been doing this for so long now, I've I've really just played with the variety of carb types, carb quantities. And what I've come to decide for myself personally, and I think that anybody who attempts to do this or, or wants to give it a try, whether it's for a specific short-term goal or, you know, just a lifestyle, is use each carb night as an opportunity to experiment. And what I've experimented with over the years is what's out of my carb choices, what's going to make me feel the best, what's going to help me yield the most, you know, the greatest results, um, and what's going to leave me feeling just generally or genuinely satisfied. You know, I want to finish my meal and be like, that was exactly what I wanted. I'm full. I feel good. It tasted delicious. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sort of a carb snob at this point. Like there have been times where I've ordered something on carb night and started eating it and realized it was not what I wanted. And so I stopped mm. eating it and then ordered something else. <laughs> gotcha, and gotcha. I do and recommend that. I don't, I don't want to just eat blindly and eat whatever I can because it's my opportunity to. Because that's a great way of uh, overdoing it. And there honestly have been numerous times early on when I first started where I gotcha. really put the carbs down. I mean, I just went at it. And it, it ended, it, it landed me on the floor <laughs> so <laughs> full that I couldn't uh, hang out with my friends the rest of the night. I was just, yeah. I was like, I just need to go to sleep. I, I yeah. overdid it. And, and honestly, gotcha, that's gotcha. just trial and error. So, yep. so but and I, people, I definitely enjoy my dessert. Yeah. And people are listening to this right now and they might be thinking, oh, so why aren't you just keeping every day the same? Why are you ha having this carbonite? Because from what I remember, carbonite is a must, actually. You must have this night of carbohydrate festival. <laughs> yes, you must. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, for any goal, for any person, um, regardless of where you're at fitness-wise, that, that one night is, is essential, uh, whether you're exercising or not. Um, and then from that point, once you've kind of determined your baseline, like for me, I'll always have my carb night. Regardless of what my goal is, regardless of where I'm at training wise, I will always have my once a week carb night. Now at this point, depending on what my training is like, if I'm training intensely, I might add in a small backload midweek. Mm -hmm. I might add mm -hmm. two midweek. Again, that at that point, adding in additional backloads of carbs during the week in between my carb nights will vary depending on what my activity level is like on any given week. So right, a couple right. weeks ago, I was really busy. I just didn't have time to get into the gym. So I stuck with carb night and I did it once that week. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And it's simple and it's easy. I don't have to overthink it. Yeah, but this we're going to be talking a little bit about... Week, I should say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit about carb backloading in a little bit. But before that, what's the biggest mistakes that you see people making when they are trying to follow this program, the carb night program? Well, I would let, let's touch on the low carb days first. And oftentimes what I see is people will overdo it, will overeat on those days too. You know, you, you some people might go into it thinking, "Oh, well, if I'm not having the carbs, then I can have as much fat and protein as I want." And a lot of people too will come from as, at least as I've noticed, a lot of people will come from a ketogenic background where they're not ever having carbs. And generally, uh, a ketogenic re recommends 
very high percentage of fat intake. You know, moderate protein, but very, very high fat intake. And while that does work for some, it doesn't work for others. And I found that the lower the body fat of the individual, the less fat percentage that's needed on those low-carb days. And that, honestly, that's just something that each individual is going to have to play with a little bit. But if you're eating low-carb and you're not seeing any loss, and that's the goal, you could just be overeating. So Mm -hmm. that's the number one thing, is just overeating in general. Because fat is very calorie-dense. And even though the volume of the fat, you know, a tablespoon of coconut oil doesn't look like much, but it's packed with calories. And while... You know, we're not necessarily counting calories on this plan. There will come a point where you're going to eat too much or undereat. And again, that's just playing with each individual's needs and, mm-hmm. and playing with it. And so that's where tracking at the beginning can be very helpful, helpful just to mm-hmm. give you a baseline. Cool. Okay. So my last question here about carbonite before we get into the carb backloading part is who should not do carbonite? Because I think this is not a program to every single person in the earth, right? That's correct. Although <laughs> it can be manipulated very easily to fit pretty much any goal, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but one population that should be careful with it are those uh, who are diabetic. So while this can act, carbonite can actually work very, very well in controlling blood glucose levels, especially during the low-carb days, if someone is on insulin, they're going to want to work with their doctor and monitor what those carb nights look like. Because again, they can be beneficial, but for someone who is taking insulin, that's something that you'd want to be very careful of. Um, because hypoglycemia can happen. A lot of unpleasant things can happen uh, for an individual who is dealing with diabetes. So if you are and you want to give it a try, definitely you know, find a doctor that will work with you on it. I mean, Dr. Rocky is great. And I believe that he still does consults uh, mm-hmm. for, for outside patients as well. And I've had a few, I've sent a few patients his way to help mm-hmm. them kind of figure that out. Um, the other scenario is someone who trains a lot. Maybe they're doing recreational sports. Maybe they're professional. I think um, that's me, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> then <laughs> I'm pretty one, active. One night a week. Yeah. yeah one night I, a week I'm pretty active. Enough. Yeah. Then you'll, you're going to need more frequent carb refeeds at that point. You can probably still stick with your one big carb night, but then you have to strategically place smaller backloads during the week according to either what your training is like or what your performance is like. And Mm -hmm. um, again, that takes some trial and error just to find out what's going to work for you and your schedule. Yeah, I try to go for like a week of just a very, very low carb and my exercise routine was still pretty intense and I was like I was not feeling the same and I was like oh, there is something going on here so I just started to do a little bit more of a carb backloading like you just mentioned and I started feeling great again so yeah you have to know yourself first of all and you have to see your physical activity level for sure so let's get into the carb backloading part so what's the biggest difference between carb night and carb backloading Well, beyond the more frequent carb refeeds during the week, you know, the quantity and the frequency are really going to vary from person to person and activity level and schedule and all of that. But the primary goal of using carb night, I'm sorry, carb backloading is either for strength or performance goals. And 
that could also be uh, gaining lean muscle mass as well. So maybe you're you're on a hypertrophy program and you're trying to build, or, or you know what we used to call the uh, bulking phase when I was in the competing world. And uh, luckily nowadays we can bulk without getting fat, which is amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to do yeah. that. Um, but the only difference at that point is is again the the carb backloads are more frequent and. I don't want to say they're smaller necessarily, but for the average person, they're going to be a little smaller of a wind. How small is that? I mean, that could range from 50 grams to 100, 150. Okay. So Uh, you're starting your day very low, and then you start to gradually adding a little bit more of carbohydrates. And then in the evening, that's when you have your biggest meal in terms of carbohydrates, right? Is that correct? Yes, correct. Correct. And that could be done either with dinner or with dessert or both. Kind of depends mm-hmm. on the person mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. their schedule's like. And what about in terms of the difference of people now that you see doing both, right? Doing carb night and carb backloading. What kind of people do you see doing having more success with carb backloading comparing to carb night, right? Uh, just those who I would say are a little bit more experienced, more veterans to the exercise world. Uh, for a few reasons. Generally, they have a better understanding of their bodies. You know, that they've, if, if they are an athlete, they know their bodies pretty well. And at that point, it, it should be, if they're paying attention, it should be easy for them to manipulate the programs to fit. You know, and that, again, that takes some trial and error. It's like, oh, I've eaten this amount, and then I did this activity, and this is how I felt. And there will be a, a fairly large difference in quantity and and frequency between men and women. So when we are talking about, you know, amounts, that will vary greatly between genders as well as activity levels. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Did, did uh, so, Alex, I have to ask you this because nine out of the ten conversations that I have with talking about specifically about breakfast – People will say, oh, I'm going to have my carbs in the breakfast because that's when I'm going to be burning my energy and blah, blah, blah. So why are you having actually the carbohydrates during the evening and not in the morning? Hormonally speaking, we're, our bodies are in a better position in the evenings to utilize mm-hmm. those carbohydrates in a more effective way. Mm-hmm. And I like to think of it like if I'm, if I'm going to try to explain it to it to like the average person who might not fully understand the physiology. I like to explain it like we wake up in the morning and we're all burning fat. Everyone's burning fat in the mornings. And what we've grown up to understand is that, oh, let's eat the carbs in the morning so that we burn them off through the day. Yeah. Which juice. Me here in Brazil, it's like, it's always the same thing. Like um, most people have, they have bread, with some butter and some mm-hmm. fruits and some OJ. It's like a typical breakfast for people. Mm-hmm. And I say, that's a bomb of carbohydrates right there. <laughs> right. And what happens at that point is it literally shuts off any fat burning that was happening. So we wake up, mm-hmm. we're all burning fat. You introduce anything that could cause a little bit of an insulin spike and you've shut that system off. Mm-hmm. So we had the potential to burn fat for a little bit longer, but we've just shut that off by introducing carbohydrates. And now our body has to burn off all those carbs during the day before it can tap back into fat stores. 
which Got you. doesn't sound like a good idea. Yep, not at all. I'd rather keep also, that process going as long as possible. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. What about the exercise routine? Should we change anything? Uh, are we exercising on the fast mode or no fasting? How does your exercise routine look like for your car backloading? In terms of the style of training? Yeah, like your philosophy around the, the exercise thing. Like, uh, are you doing you just lifting? Are you jogging? I are you you. sprinting? You know what I mean? Like, how does your week look like in terms of exercise? So for me personally, I've, I've, I feel like I've almost found like the magic <laughs> combination, um, both in what is going to get me the results I want and also what makes me the happiest. And, and this honestly took me a long time because there were, especially early on in competing, there were many years where I was doing activities that I thought I had to do, but honestly hated, like running. Yeah. I hate running. I just don't mm -hmm. enjoy it. It doesn't feel good. It's boring. Um, and I, I'm more of a short burst, like let's get some high intensity and then we'll take a little break, which goes back to my gymnastics days. Um, yeah. And what I found for me personally, the best combination is two to three days of resistance training. And I follow Shockwave Protocol, which mm -hmm. is the lifting, a lifting program that was created to go along with Carbonite. Um, and how I long found are you in, to just... How hmm? long are you in the gym for this? Like for these two to three days? Just so I have an idea here of timing. 45, because, 45 yeah. 60 minutes. And that's with okay. like a 15, 20 minute warm up. I, cool. I do so, a very, very thorough in-depth warm-up before I, I do any yeah. any physical activity. I just feel So that's not a lot of time, right? Because that's nope. one thing that I, that, I have, yeah, that I have changed a lot throughout the last probably four to five years when I started learning all this cool stuff, you know, about my timing. Because I want to be super efficient with my timing. I don't want to be wasting, like you said before, like a part-time job just to exercise, right? So I want to do everything in terms of health, but also in terms of time, really. So, yeah, and I, nowadays, I don't spend much time on the gym. Like, like, like you, I go probably twice, not even three times, and I, I'm there for 30 to 45 minutes, that's it. And then I do some sprinting once every seven to 10 days, and I just walk mm -hmm. a lot. I mean, I'm pretty active every day in terms of walking, hiking, just being nature, you know, just moving around. And I, I think that's super important for people because a lot of people are just like, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time, you know, so we have to find something like that fits their schedule. Right. So keep going. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> and I, I like what you said about, you know, being being outdoors, because that's one of one of my requirements for myself is I only want to be in. the I don't want to live in the gym because I used to do yeah. that. So I like you. I want to be in and out, get that part done because I do love it still. If you're there for too too long <laughs> or going there too frequently, you start to kind of resent it a little bit. So I always want to choose activities that make me feel really good, that I get excited about, that I feel accomplished after doing, and that I just kind of feel fulfilled in, in a variety of ways. And for me, I need to be outside at least once a week. So whether that's going on a long walk around the city, which um, is, is quite hard because of all the hills, to be honest, um, or to go on a hike. Uh, this past weekend, I actually went to Tahoe and I snowboarded for the first time, which was amazing. Ooh, how was that? So much fun. It was great. Oh, I, I, I have, I have felt to felt like do. I was I hit by a car the next day, <laughs> but it was great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I just love being outside. It's, it's, uh, 
it doesn't feel like exercise at that point. It feels fun. And that's also why I like practicing gymnastics still because it makes me feel young. It makes me feel like a kid again. I can flip around. Um, it's just a completely different way of using your body. So, you know, I like to have variety in the activities that I do. It keeps me excited. Um, it also helps with just overall conditioning of the body too, which yeah. I find to be helpful for a lot of different reasons. But again, just getting to know my body and what it needs and what it can do. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. What about the supplementation part? Do you have anything that you want to share with us in terms of su supplements that you think, oh, I think those are really cool for you guys to have? Absolutely. I mean, you have your essentials for, for anybody on any diet um, or, or way of eating. There's going to be supplementation that's required because we just don't simply eat enough nutrient dense foods to get everything that we need unless you're eating organ meat several times a week, which personally, I'm not a fan of. I've tried. I just can't do it. So um, I need to get certain vitamins and minerals from other sources. Um, I take a, a multivitamin and, you know, multivitamins can can be contain a lot of different levels of vitamins and minerals. So sometimes it's a matter of just finding the one that's more appropriate for each individual. Just like there's a difference between the, a female and a, a man's multivitamin. I also take high quality fish oil. I do um, Norwegian salmon. Very, very high quality. I do T3 fuel, which I found to be extremely helpful. And it's one of those things where you don't realize how good, how big of a difference it made until you've been, been taking it for maybe just like a month. I think I noticed a difference. But then looking back, I was like, how did I go so long without taking this? And just how good I felt. Um, for for mm. women especially, I find it to be extremely helpful. I also cool. do vitamin D3. You know, San Francisco is pretty foggy most of the time, so I don't get a lot of sunlight. And I work inside, so unless I'm really taking advantage of walking outside, I know I'm not getting enough vitamin D3 which right. for fat loss especially is extremely helpful. And that's an easy one to get tested in, in your labs. You know, yeah, I just got tested last week and I think was 100 my levels, which is mm -hmm. high. Well, I think it's good, but I'm, like some people are like, oh, that's a little bit too high. What are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm in Brazil right now and I'm going to the beach pretty much every day for a walk. So I'm on the sun yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is... is uh, you know, how we absorb the vitamin D if you are getting it from being outside is very different than what most people think. Um, you know, I've heard a few different things, but one of them was, you know, it's 20 minutes with sunlight on the top of your head. But I've also heard that you shouldn't go and take a shower right afterwards. Like it takes a while for your body to actually absorb that into yep. your system. And yeah, if I heard you, that too, for you do one get hour. a little sunlight and then you go and take a shower, you just wash it all off. Yeah, seems a little counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. And um, all I, right, I do uh, creatine for my post-workout shake as well, which I find to be extremely helpful for recovery mm -hmm. and gains. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for all this information, Alec. Is there anything that I haven't asked you today that you think it's nice to share with our audience today? I don't think so. I think we covered good. everything for the most okay, part. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think just paying attention to your body and. And understanding that in any program that you do, there's going to be some level of experimentation. 
So tracking can be helpful. And that just because once you've found a way that works for you, doesn't mean that there still isn't opportunity to tweak it or manipulate it along the way because we're always changing. So yeah, just being open awesome. to that and keeping it simple. Cool. Thank you so much. So where can people find you and what's next for you now? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, for information on either protocol, Carbonite Car Backloading, body.io is the place to go. Um, people can also check out my podcast. Um, it's it's female-focused. It's called Her Body. Um, we talk about a variety of topics for health, fitness, and performance. And then if you're interested in any recipes, cookbooks, food information, you can go to fitlivingfoodies.com. And that's where the Transforming Recipes cookbooks are. And all of those are geared for the ultra-low-carb days for following either protocol. So lots of just yummy recipes and ideas to help make the process a little bit smoother. And next on the agenda for me, um, a couple things I can't talk about quite yet. But there is another cookbook um, in the works and some other fun just tools. I want to help create as many tools as possible to make this process easier for everybody. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Lots of fun stuff. Sounds, sounds great. Sounds great. Thank you so much for being here with us today and I talk to you soon. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks for listening to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Go to www.brazilianhealthnut.com for much more information about how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Hasta luego.